Hey guys, TK here. Just a big, big shout out to my brand new sponsor, Bulk Nutrients. Bulk Nutrients I've been using for my supplement needs for about six years' times in terms of quality, price, customer service. They're an Australian company. They are second to none. The products I'm using at the moment is the Green Superfood Power, which you can pick up for only $25 for 250 grams. The Protein Matrix, which is only $29 for one kilo. And they've got some fabulous flavors in terms of chocolate, vanilla, salted caramel, this choc honeycomb, which tastes like a gay time ice cream if you're in Australia. Also, this awesome, awesome rocky road that I've been having lately. Apart from that, also get the creatine monohydrate, which is as low as $9 for 250 grams or $19 for one kilogram. So check out the range at www.bulknutrients.com.au forward slash TK. That's www.bulknutrients.com.au slash TK. Guys, welcome back to Talking with TK. I'm your host, Tristan Cannell. I'm really excited for today's episode, which is number 79. And I've got one of my good mates, Joe Williams, back in the house. He was one of our episodes back last year, and I'm glad that Joey's really stopped by. He's got an amazing book, Defying the Enemy Within. Last time he came on the show, he was just about to release it, but it's been in publication for a few months' time, and it is absolutely killing it. It's a book that I actually read in about a week and a half, which for me is absolutely outstanding because it takes me absolutely months to finish books. But you can get it across all good bookstores or I'll have it all in the show notes in terms of where you can purchase it online. But really grateful for Joey to come in the studio and record with me again because it is just one of those books that he is just so vulnerable in this book and he outlines everything from suicide attempts to trying to make it in Sydney as a rugby league professional to what I really love about Joe is just his selfless work in the communities right now, using his own story to help others in terms of mental health and just different things that I think people just don't really have an opportunity to speak about, especially in the country or hear about. So I'm really grateful that you know Joe's come into my life because I've learned so much from him and he's going to teach us so much more in this episode ahead. So if it's your first time here, thank you for tuning in. If you're a regular, also a really, really big shout out to you guys. Thank you for subscribing and leaving me reviews on iTunes. If you haven't yet, please, you can subscribe via iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher. And if you can, please leave me a review also on iTunes. Or you can catch it all online. I've got it all on my website, www.talkingwithtk.com. If you want to connect with me through the various social medias, I'm Talking With TK across my Facebook or Twitter. Or I'm Tristan Nell on my Instagram, or please send through any guest requests or suggestions for the show. You can find me, Tristan, at talkingwithtk.com. If you heard the intro, you're probably aware that I've got a new awesome sponsor on board in terms of bulk nutrients. I'm very, very picky who I align myself with. Bulk nutrients is someone that I've used for about six years' time. So I was a personal trainer for a couple of years' time as well. So I do put a lot of effort into researching in terms of brands and there's been some absolute awful ones that have come from America and even with due respect in Australia. But Bulk Nutrients, they tick all the boxes in terms of quality, price. What I really love is the customer service and delivery. I can order today and in one to two days time, I can either have that sent to my home, my office, the gym, wherever you want it. They do express posts for anything under three kilos, but having a look at the prices, I can tell you exactly what I use. So green fusion, it's called. It's a green superfood powder. It's in terms of, you know, if you don't eat enough veggies or you want to kind of get a little bit more greens into your diet, highly recommend it. 250 grams will cost you $25 or one kilogram for $79. I usually stock up. Your protein brands, I've been trying their protein matrix lately. Sometimes I get an upset stomach. This Powder is actually reduces bloating and also anyone that doesn't digest protein powder very much, very well anyway, I think I would highly recommend the Protein Matrix Plus. You can get it for $29 for one kilogram, 
$56 only for two kilograms. It's got a whole range of flavors. The whey protein concentrate and also the isolate is also very, very good value. The whey protein concentrate is only $27 for a kilo. That's some amazing flavors. The chalk honeycomb is unbelievable. Also just ordered this week the banana, which has also been very, very good. The whey protein isolate is only $36 for a kilo. Or if you're in, you're really serious bodybuilder or anything like that, or really, really into your training, highly recommend the creatine. It's only nine bucks for 250 grams, but you can get 19 bucks for a whole kilogram. So check out the range, www.bulknutrients.com.au forward slash TK. I'll have all of it in the show notes. But yeah, something I highly recommend and definitely go check out the range. All right, guys, let's get to today's episode and I introduce Joe Williams. My special guest is a returning guest, Joey Williams. Joey played at the South Sydney Rabbitohs. He's played at the Canterbury Bulldogs, Penrith Panthers. More importantly, what I want to bring him back on for is always working mental health. He's a mental health advocate. He's got a brilliant book. It's called Defying the Enemy Within. I highly recommend it. This is probably the quickest book that I've ever read in probably five years. People, people keep saying to me, oh, you know, I've read through it in, you know, one guy read it from a plane trip from Brisbane to Melbourne. I was like, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. They're obviously hooked into the book and don't want to put it down, but is the letters too big? Is it not enough pages? What's going on? People are reading it too fast. You know what it is, Joe? I think it's just the perfect size. Like, even if we open it, the letters aren't too big, if you can see that. It's just the perfect size. It's how many pages we got? 266. But what I like about it, I couldn't put it down because it's, it's just honest. That's what I loved about it. It was raw. It was vulnerable. Vulnerability brings the best, in my opinion, out yeah. of people. Yeah, I think it does. And I think that you gave the opportunity for the reader to get to understand your story. But even people, everyone's got tough times. And I think when I was reading it, I go, well, I do relate to him a little bit because I've experienced some of this, but it I don't know if it makes it okay for us to then think it's okay, but that's just how I was experiencing it. You know, one of the... Um one of the key messages, and, and, and in the book it talks a lot about, and a lot of people know about my, my journey with sobriety and, and you know, being clean and, clean and sober and so forth, but one of the very first things that I, that I learnt when I walked in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous was uh, listen for the similarities, not the differences. Mm. Um, you know, we can sit there and, and pick and poke all day and say that, well, I'm different, so it doesn't affect me. But you know what? Um, there'll be similarities in that book that people can relate to um, and that doesn't mean that you've got a mental illness because no. but and, and the book speaks a lot to uh, just well-being um, because we're we're in a we're in a, a stage at the moment um, around with with our society and and you know, communities that we're in that people think that everything's a mental illness mm. well everyone's got mental health yep. but not everyone's got a mental illness mm. Um, and that's you know the the differences. It can speak to people's well-being and people's mental health. Um, so uh, yeah, it's it's relatable, I think. Yeah. How therapeutic was it when you were writing it? I started writing um, probably. I started writing probably uh, a few years a few years before it came out. Like when I when I was back living in Wagga, so it was you know four or five years ago I started just jotting down stuff and I went wow like I feel good when yeah. this happens right so I got about 10,000 words and I just went mad like I, I thought was that easy I went to get mad. out that first 10, yeah 000? the first 10,000 words was like wow this is just coming out I, I love doing this and then I spoke to a cousin of mine Anita Heiss mm. who's an author and um, I said how many words do you need for a book and she goes well it depends how big your book is and um and I said, well, I've written 10,000 words. And she goes, well, that's probably just the introduction. So I was like, how am I going to get anything more? <laughs> but, but then... So how far is this condensed? Like, it was there heaps of chopped out? Uh, there wasn't heaps chopped out. It was, it was edited. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But um, it, was, it was also lengthened in parts as well. Mm. Um, you know, there's, there's things in my life there that I speak openly and raw about. But there's also things in there that I don't speak about because, you know, that's not my journey this time for yeah. this, you know, when we're, um, 
and we've already started in talks with the second book. So um, because it's you know it's been it's been great so far. Like they're they're already talking about having to reprint, and um, so it's mate, it's. How's the reaction been? Well, the messages I get to... every day. That's the best thing. Yeah. The messages I get every day, and and I'm compiling these at the moment um, and sending them off to my manager. Every time somebody writes me a message about the book, I screenshot it and send it off to her. And we're going to do like a little clip mm-hmm. um, and just sort of uh, flush them up so people can see what people's reactions are. And the thing is, it's it's been so healing for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and. That's that's the beauty of what storytelling does. Storytelling puts you in the in the shoes of someone else, and again, you listen for those similarities and not the differences, and you can relate to it. Mm. I um, really like the the end because, guys, the end. Joe actually puts a few of his own practices into writing, so I think that's where I thought the differences in this book came out. Because I think a lot of people talk about the experience, but then they don't. It's not that it's a solution. But it's just a starting point for people to understand that there is some wellness programs yeah. and some, some things that they can actually use on a day-to-day basis to help them with their issues. Well, we, again, we, we look at um, you know, a, lot of, a lot of programs and a lot of initiatives that go around in communities regarding mental health. It's, it's all about awareness yeah. um, and it's all about speaking about it. Yeah, it's, and, but, but, but my entire thing the entire time is that what happens when there's no stigma anymore? What are you going to do? Then people are talking out about mental health. People are actually confident enough, and people are um, not even not even confidence. People people are, are getting to the point where they where they're open to speak about it. What do they do then? They need something. They need tips to to be able to get through it. Yeah. Like it's one thing talking about it, but then it's another thing knowing what you do to get out of it. It's you know I can sit down in my bed all day and talk about it, but not leave the bedroom. That's not improving anyone. So and and when you say it's the you know it's the end of the book it's not the last three pages it's no, like it's like a good portion it's, it's a third of the book yeah a third of the book talks about um, and that that's probably my favourite bit of the book mm. uh, if yeah, I'm it honest was, it was was one of my I actually really loved learning about your family yep and then the end of the, the book with the wellness sort of stuff but what I really wanted to I was really intrigued I know defying the enemy within is your brand. Where were you when you that first came into your head that that was going to be your kind of definition of your business moving forward and even your book? Yeah, the enemy within it. It first started back in uh, 2014 uh, when we did a, a short film in Wagga, and and I can't thank this lady enough, um, Simone Dowding. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a a local businesswoman um, and owned a fantastic coffee shop in town and. I was always going having coffee and so forth, and 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 I was actually training her boys at my gym. Okay. And at, at the start, uh, she was actually how how I met her, uh, and now how I met sort of her group of friends was, was through uh, David Barnhill, right? Oh, so Barney, ex- yeah, actually, yeah, so yeah. Barney owns a pub down in Wagga, mm-hmm. but Barney's wife Tracy was great friends with Simone. Okay. And anyway, Barney and his wife were sitting down there and having coffee, and I was like, "Hey, Barney, how are you?" And he goes, "Oh, Joey owns a." boxing gym in town he's training kids and all that and the, and these women were like oh boxing like you know i'm not teaching my kids to punch people in the head and i'm like no no, no it's, mu- it's much more than yeah, that of course it's a discipline behind it it's 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 everything that you get out of somebody inside than more so yeah. than somebody outside so um i was having these interactions with with this lady and um i, I was training her kids and and they were going fantastic and she was always down there watching and 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 then I guess she she started to find out a little bit more about who I was and 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 the person I was because Wagga was a small town and yeah. and and being a I guess a profiled person in a smaller town you see things on the news and you see things mm-hmm. here and there and and she said I want to find out what is deeper with this guy because he's always out there helping other people he's always helping other people he's giving himself to charity, he's doing different things, volunteering and so forth. And he said, Something, something's deeper there. Like, this guy's played, he's a professional boxer now, but he's played in the NRL. NRL yep. It probably should be the other way around. Like, he, you know, the, these sort of people have a tag for not doing much for community. Why is he doing extra? Um, and then we sat down and we started talking about it. And, 
and it was it was for a, a short film uh, for the Wagga Film Festival. Okay. Um, and the more we started talking about, you know, why I help people and what I do and so forth, um, the more we started to uncover, well, this guy goes through a deep depression mm. that he doesn't tell anyone about. That was the very first time I started talking about it. You know, I had my suicide attempt two years before, but yeah. I never told anyone but my family and the closest of closest of people. So she's responsible um, for giving me the courage to, to, to talk out about it. Yeah. And, 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 you know, the film was shot beautifully by a local little production company back there in Wagga. Mm. Um, and it was just a really beautiful film. And... And then it showed at the film festival. You know, we we didn't we didn't win the Wagga Film Festival, but we won the hearts of people. Yeah. And I sat there in tears. You know, I was a week out before my w, second WBF title, and uh, I don't know if it was the emotions of not eating and and, and trying to ca- make weight for the fight <laughs> or what. But but I, I sat there in a babbling mess. Um, and then attention around around all of that was. Like there was media and, and I went, well, this is a big issue. Mm. And and so many people were coming to me and writing to me going, Joe, I go through the exact same thing. And and back then it wasn't talking about my suicide attempt. Mm. I wasn't talking about that. I wasn't talking about the rawness of it. I was just talking about the depression, the not being able to get out of bed, the not being able to face the day, the, the, the hated looking at myself in the mirror. Um, so it was it was very early on and then... You know, over time, I started talking about my journey and then started... Un- the more I learnt about talking safe about these things, um, I started to be more confident. But um, the conversation, I remember it vividly. Someone said, the important thing is, what are we going to call this film? And I said, if I'm honest, mate, I, I want to call it The Enemy Within because that's exactly what it is. I've played footy at a high level. I've, I've, I've been a boxer. Nothing compares to what I do on the sporting field or in the boxing ring to compares to what I go through in my head every single day. Mm. Um, and I guess it just grew from there. You know, um, we got a, I got my first contract to go and speak at a couple of schools in, in, in Albury it was. Um, and I literally made a Facebook page on the way over there. And I told the kids about that Facebook page and then I get I get... Every single day, and it might not seem like much, but I get over 10 messages a day, mm. right? And that doesn't seem like a great number. But you know what? That's 10 more people that are speaking about their, their problems or speaking about someone else's problems or, or, or having the courage to, to be able to speak about, having the confidence, not the courage, the confidence to be able to speak about these things. Is that the biggest driver for you, for people to be able to... Because the power of conversation is huge. And is is that kind of your why now? Is to be able to use your story to reach as many people as possible, to allow people to have those conversations now. Yeah, it's it's a big word that the people search their entire life for. It's purpose. Mm. Um, and 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 these things only dawned on me recently. It's that I had to go through everything that I went through with sport with 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 my attempt with everything to get to exactly where I am right now mm. um, the most terrifying day in my entire life the most haunting day that sits in my head and reminds me every single day of the depths and the darkness of suicide and mental illness sits with me every single day right but I had to go through that I had to go through that and that's enabled me to travel the world that's enabled me to speak to hundreds, thousands of people and to be able to have an impact on just one person at a time to give them tools or give them, give them confidence or give them uh, an enlightenment yep. to uh, some, some dark times that everyone experiences. Yeah. Guys, just a quick break in today's episode. Last week we had on former Wallaby, Adrian Skeggs. He's got an amazing story. He is the only wallaby to come out of Lord Howe Island. He is an absolute sensational bloke and I really enjoyed chatting with him. And here is 
a quick little snippet from our chat with Adrian. Well, he's, you know, probably one of the biggest influences in my life. And when I got to Lord, so when I left Lord Howe to go to the Armel schools, I bumped into the great John Hipple. Yeah. And, you know, John Hipple, you know, it's quite funny, but, you know, he, I, I just didn't know who he was because I'd never been exposed. You've got to remember, we didn't have TV and Lord Howe didn't have anything, so we didn't have, and I didn't know rugby. All we heard was rugby league, and that was back in the day when, you know, Newtown were in the comp, okay. so it's a long time ago. So when I come over here to rugby, I mean, this guy was talking to me and he said, look, you're big as a house, you should get out there and do this and do that. So I did it, but, you know, I didn't know what it was and, you know, I, I, was, I, was, I was sort of a little bit all disciplined because I didn't know what I was doing, but back home, if you got a little bit intimidated, you're young, you sort of re react in a certain way, which is probably not, not due to the laws. But, so what I got from John Hipple, suddenly I got to understand, first of all, who he was. But more importantly, uh, the great thing about that is what he represents. And I've never met a more, there's probably three guys uh, that I've met in my life, and probably most humble guys in, in rugby, and John Hipple was probably number one. John Eels the next one, a guy called Henry Hannibal played for the Springboks. It was, they, you know, they just, whatever they did, they went about their work. It wasn't about anything, it was about them. Uh, it was always about, you know, embracing it and the whole thing. And, and John did a lot for me in regards to, uh, you know, just galvanising my purpose and reason and, and, and stuff. And, then, and look, rugby was a byproduct of that. So guys, go back and check out that episode. We've had a whole heap of players across rugby and NRL. So go check out the back catalogues. Big shout out again to our sponsor, Bolt Nutrients. Probably the best nutrition and supplements in Australia at the moment. So check out the range, www.bulknutrients.com.au forward slash TK. All right, guys, let's get back to the show. You know, you just talked about purpose, and that's huge. The way I see you speaking now is absolutely brilliant because I can see the passion just radiating out of you. Tell me, talk to us all a little bit about, because, you know, back in the day, you were a star footballer. You kicked a winning field goal in the Jersey Flag Grand Final at one of the biggest grounds in Australia. But I don't really see that as your purpose. I don't no, no way. Do you know what I mean? I can see your purpose is now, and I think... A lot of people place an emphasis on things that we do when we're in our 20s, but it yeah. looks like you found your, your purpose. Mate, they were 30s. stepping stones, without a doubt. They were stepping stones. I thought that I was going to be a footballer forever, yeah. and I wanted to be a commentator, and I wanted to be like a, a, a media personality and all that. Um, and then I, then I thought I was going to be a boxer, and I thought I was going to go to Vegas and fight. And, and you know, we have these dreams, um, but they were just stepping stones to, to get to where I am exactly now. Yeah. 12 months time who knows where I'm going to be who knows um, it's not up to me to know it's up to me to enjoy what I do right now Absolutely. and just follow the path have a look at your growth already over the last 12 months if you saw yourself this time in 2017 like I think all of us go through this we don't realise if we work at something every single day what we can actually build have a look what you've built and be very proud of what you've built and, and I look even deeper than that um, I look that this was always going to happen mm. It was always going to happen. I had no control of it. As much as I think that uh, that I'm in control, I make choices. Fate gets you there. Whether people call it fate, whether people call it destiny, I say that I'm a puppet, and it's my ancestors are the puppeteers, and they're just holding the strings in my back, saying, "Well, this is a bit of a roadblock." Yeah. We'll think, make him think that he's going to be a footy player for a bit. That'll give him a bit more resilience. Actually, that'll give him some ability. And he'll rest on those laurels and, and not work hard. Mm. So then he turns to boxing and he learns another lesson where he's got to work hard. And he, he doesn't have natural ability anymore. He's got to work to his, you know, work his backside off to get every single metre and, and every single inch in the boxing ring. And then I'll knock him out a couple of times and then we'll put him on this path. Now he's on a different path. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen? That's actually a great segue now into spirituality because I know <clears throat> your Aboriginal culture is huge for you. And I'd love to know a little bit more because that's one of the things that I love just learning about people's culture and where people come from. Can you tell us a little bit about, is it, is it a mob? Is that how Aboriginal people say where they're from? Is that? Yeah, I, when is I, that? it was funny, you know, uh, when, I was in, when I was in the US, um, you know, I was talking about my, my mob back, out, back home and, yeah. and they were like, this dude's in the mob? <laughs> As in like talking about gangsters? I'm like, no, 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 no. We're, we're, that's, that's different for us, you know. Um, you know, I'm, a, I'm from the Wiradjuri mob, right? So that's, um, I guess, modern modern term is the tribal areas okay. of where these people, where these, where these, 
We call them countries, people call them tribes. Okay. Um, so there's over, you know, over 600 different language groups throughout Australia and different nations, countries of, you know, I'd... I'd so I'd each love one was to, unique, each one had a little each bit one's unique, different yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. well, um, you know, every, like the, some are similar, yeah. neighbouring countries, but then they, you know, my mob here in, in, in New South Wales or Wiradjuri mob is vastly different to the Arundel mob in, in Alice Springs. Yeah. But, from, the, from the research, Joe, what were the different tribes like with each other when they actually had to interact? Has there been any research into, like, I'm sure... I'm glad you answered that. I'm glad you asked that. You know yeah. why? Because uh, a cultural leader of ours, Uncle Paul Gordon, he always says, and I love this quote, he said, throughout Aboriginal history, there is no battlegrounds, mm. no evidence of battlegrounds, no forts, no castles, no war grounds, no, okay. no, no war grounds. What does that tell you? It tells you that we weren't fighting people. Peace. We were a peaceful people. Mm. Yeah, we had disagreements. I'm not going to say that we were all, you know, sitting around drinking tea and everything was beautiful. Yeah. There, you know, there were things where, and, 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 and there was violence. And then I get that, you know, that, that's, that's, that's human nature yeah, with course. possession and so forth. But there is never, there, like Uncle Paul said, there is, there's no battlegrounds. There's no, there's no war fields. There's no forts and castles. That proves you that there was no wars. There's so much to learn from that. Absolutely. You know, like, yeah, yeah, we had disagreements when when people stole other people's wives and when mm. people run away from, from you know, uh, run away from, from tribal areas and broke law and that sort of stuff. I, yeah, there was there was laws and there was punishment and, mm. and I get that. So... Was there a leader? You know, there were... Uh, or like a chief or something? Well, the way we see it, yeah. and this is the way I'm educated as well, is that um, we were a people who sat in circles and, and leadership, everyone had their different responsibilities, yeah. but leadership came from experience okay. and experience comes from knowledge. So elders these days, we, we, we have it a little mixed up where we think that as soon as you turn 50, you become an older. Yeah. That's not the case how it was traditionally. Okay. You know, so our life experience is our elders were, were, were about experience and knowledge. Yeah. It was about how much knowledge you have. That's when you become, when you're looked at in a higher regard, when you have more knowledge. Because as a kid, we don't, we don't dream to become old. Mm. We dream to have knowledge. And, and that's, that was the system that, that has worked forever. And that's the system now traditionally, um, you know, that, that still works. Yeah. And the, where you were from, where did that actual location span from? What do you mean? In terms of, that? was it, you know, I know that you're from originally Wagga Wagga. Yep. You obviously live in Dubbo now. Was there like a geographical sort of, did they know that at all? Where they kind of, was it Western sort of New South yeah, Wales? Yeah, so, so, the, so as in the borders of yeah. the borders of each nation. So I'm from Cowra originally. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Wagga and then I'm living now in Dubbo, but that's all Wiradjuri area. Okay. So, right? yeah, so that's all, that's all Wiradjuri, but Wiradjuri area is a, big big area like you look at the map and um what i'll do for the people who don't know what i'm talking about mm-hmm. i'll post um in the comments section and you can do so on yours as well yep an aboriginal map of australia oh there is one there's a map Fantastic. of australia yeah. which has all the different countries in different colors Wow. So it doesn't highlight New what South Wales, Queensland. Were you guys? Uh, like you, it, yeah, it doesn't like really it, matter. No, just, to just it sh- is what it is. Yeah, just to show. Yeah, yeah. But <clears throat> pardon me, and you know, it just shows over six hundred different language groups mm. that were all different. You know, there was similar similarities with the coast of bordering nations, but you know, I, I love telling this story. Right, um, we get young kids now who Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children yep. are deemed as less than on the scale with numerous in literacy compared to the average non-Indigenous, the average Australian, they're, they're less than, okay. right? Um, they're, they're below average um, on with their numerous in literacy skills, Aboriginal people. So I was in Arnhem Land recently in late last year mm-hmm. and I've got, I'm sitting in the classroom with kids as young as five and six year old that can speak five different languages. Wow. Now, you tell me that's not smart. That's incredibly smart. 
It's just that the West, the, the, the educational system is based on a Western model. Okay, yeah. All these Aboriginal kids are tested on a Western model. Go and test them in their language. You know, I was, I was delivering my enemy within sessions in these communities, and I had a translator. So these kids are sitting there going, they, they speak broken English, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and let's not forget, these kids only speak English at school. They speak their native language native outside language at home, yeah. Right? So I'm speaking, and it, it probably seems like so fast and so, you know, like everywhere for them, those kids. And I'm, I'm talking about mental illness and feelings and the importance of talking about it mm. and the importance of education and connection and culture. And they're sitting there like this, and then the guy who was coming in to support me for the week spoke it in language, and then this kid just went, Wow, that's what he's talking about. Yeah. So to me, let's start looking at testing these kids in their language. Let's yeah. start building on their strengths. You know, if it, and people say, well, well, why, why do they, why do we need to test them in their language? Well, why do you need to test them in English? They only speak it at school. Exactly. They've got local people in the shops who speak their own local language. Like you go and put an inner city kid. In any city, non-Indigenous kid, drop him out in the bush for a week, see how he goes. Exactly right. Exactly the same. Yeah, exactly. He's going to be deemed as less than. So people, people are quick to judge uh, around certain, um, you know, when it, when it comes to the school system and that. Like, I understand that school and education is a great thing for, for a lot of kids. Um, nice. But, you know, there's, there's some kids now and, and some school systems are starting to get it that kids just aren't cut for school. Um, let's build on these kids' strengths and empower them to be the best that they can possibly be. Mm. That may not be in maths and science. Yep. That may be in agriculture. You know, that, that's, that's walking in the two worlds. You just got to find that, that balance, don't it's about, you? It's about building on strengths rather than, yeah. um, you know, rather than testing them on weaknesses. Mm. So one thing on my mind, it's just always intrigued me, I, I haven't had the education on it, the Aboriginal flag... How old is that, and where where was the origins? Do you know anything about that? Oh, it's it's um you know, and we can put um some 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 information, some links to that. Mm. Um, if I'm if I'm honest, I I have read it and I do know it, but it's my memory just slips to me right now. I, I can't remember the the name of um you know the person who designed it and so forth. I know that um that the Torres Strait Islander flag um you know that's that's the same, and like like mm. all flags and and all symbols. There's a designer and, and there's someone that, that, you know, for us and our people, um, the, you know, the red, black and the yellow, um, you know, the red symbol, symbols, the symbolizes our love for the earth. Yep. Um, you know, the sun is, a, you know, the giver of life um, and, and the black is, you know, the, the, the skin, skin of the people. Yep. Yeah, the skin of the people. Like traditionally, we were a, a very dark people. Mm. You know, it's just that with colonisation and and uh, different races and and integration throughout the country, you know, our skin's a little bit lighter. But you know, our, our bloodlines and and our genetics are still as strong as ever. Mm-hmm. Um, you put and I, I say to people, um, they say we are so dark. Well, we were so dark, yes. And we have a look at Africa. People in Africa are dark too because. Mm-hmm. It's a hot country. Very hot country. Yeah. You know, you, 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 non-Indigenous people have only been here for 200 years. That's a blink of an eye. That's nothing. The light skin, and you, you, you sit out here, you sit white people out here for 20,000 years, they're all going to be black. A long like, time. That's <laughs> the way it is. Time. Like, it's just the, the climate that we live in. Um, you know, our skin adapts to it. Um, mm. Unfortunately, some people and back just in go the day, there's no, there's no going inside or no sunscreen, no air conditioning, all <laughs> that sort of stuff that we're, you know, blessed with now. And, they didn't have and that. people. People talk about the, the the primitive nature of of our people. Man, we survived through ice ages with no clothes. Yeah, and in the one of the hottest climates in the world, with with no air conditioner. Like and 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 we say that Aboriginal people are dumb. Come on, man. Yeah, exactly right. So, like, there's, there's, there's so much to learn from the Aboriginal culture. The oldest continual race on the planet. Non-Indigenous Australians been here for 230 years and the place is almost wrecked. Mm-hmm. 
you know, with global warming because of mining and, and all that type of stuff. There's just so much to learn from Aboriginal people, from the medicines, from the way of life, the connection. The biggest answer to depression with today isn't medication, it's connection. And it doesn't have to be connection to a culture, it's connection to something. Mm. Connection to your family, connection to your sports teams, whatever. Connection, mm. people having interaction. interaction we sit today. We sit today. We get we get families and check your family at home. For the people listening, check your family. Who's sitting around a kitchen table and having a conversation for dinner? Yeah, exactly. Not many right. people. Everyone's sitting here on Facebook on and, and eating with, eating with one hand and then scrolling on the other, and that's no connection. That's nothing. We're all zombies. The reason why there was. One of the big reasons why there was no depression and anxiety and, and even mental illness was, one, the cleanliness of foods. Mm. You know, it was, a, it, was a, it was a clean way of eating and clean way of living. Everything was organic, wasn't well, it? There was, well, there was no cars, so there was no fat people. We had to walk everywhere. Yeah. And everything was organic and healthy. And then there was no soft drinks. All we did was drink water. Water. You had to have your food. Healthier food. You had to go and get your food. Um, and you know, there's a story about that in, in, in Uncle Bruce, Uncle Bruce Pascoe's book, um, Dark Emu, a beautiful resource for people who want to learn about, um, learn about the agriculture of Aboriginal people. Mm. Um, he talks about from settlers accounts, how the Aboriginal people had beautifully harvested fields and storage units of grain and storage units. I thought technology only came with, with, with European people. European people. Yeah, exactly. This right. is from the settlers' accounts. It's not some guy making it up. So, and and our people used to burn one part of the country. Not burn this part. Burn the next part. So what does that tell you? Well, there's no food, or, or live, or or or, or, live, or anything that that animals can eat yeah, exactly. in the places where burnt. So. Mm-hmm. The animals go to the places where they can eat. That's just like going to the shop, isn't it? Because all the animals are eating at one part of the country, so that's where all the animals, that's where you go to hunt. That's smart. And think about it, they have to actually hunt them, then they have to skin them, everything. All these little things that people say, well, maybe they weren't a smart civilization. I'm pretty sure to survive that huge amount of time. We have, just... we have the highest rates of diabetes and and, and even, even obesity in a lot of our communities, yeah. heart disease, all that sort of stuff, right? Find me a picture from early settlement days where an Aboriginal person is fat. It was obese, yeah. I've never seen one. Mate, they are all long, lean, lean yeah. well-chiselled people. Like, but we're primitive, right? <laughs> like, like the, the, the history of the way that, that the first accounts have been told is a blatant lie. Mm. And the people of Australia should feel ripped off because they've been taught the wrong things for 230 years. The genetic conditioning of that teaching for 230 years is still alive today with racism because racism is learnt. That's a genetic conditioning passed down from generation to generation from 1788. Yeah. What, what's your first mem- memory of yourself having to face racism? I speak about it in the book, yeah. the blatant racism. Um, you know, but there were, then there was always on the footy fields and... Was it bad on the footy field? Not, not on the field. Not on the field. I've been called a black this and black that on the field. Don't get me yeah. wrong, but it's more so. Was it the crowd? The parents. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The parents off the field because this little dark boy was toweling up their son. Mm. So the easiest thing to get him at him is is a, is a, is a stab at his colour. Yeah. Um, you know, go home, go home and train your son. Don't have a stab at an opposition bloke's colour. Uh, go home and teach your son to be a better footy player. Guys, we hope you're enjoying the episode with Joey Williams. If it's your first time here, please go back and check out the back catalogue. We've had a whole heap of NRL stars on the show from Tim Grant, Joel Thompson, Paul the Chief Harrigan, E.T. Andrew Weddinghausen, Bradley Clyde, Monty Beetham, Sione Falmawina, Rennie Matua, Paul Fatawira, Corey Patterson, Shane Flanagan, 
Mark Hughes, the list goes on. So please, if you're a huge NRL fan, please go back, check it out. Let me know what you think of all the episodes. Send me an email at Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com or tweet to me at TalkingWithTK. Yet again, just a big thank you to our major sponsor, Bulk Nutrients. Check out the range at www.bulknutrients.com.au forward slash TK and let them know that TK sent you. All right, let's get back to the chat with Joey. What did you say to your parents when you would hear that from other parents? Yeah, my mum would get most most upset. Yeah, uh, because because she knew that it emotionally affects us. Yeah, she knew that it emotionally affects us. When my dad was a little bit different, my dad and I speak about it in the book. The first time I encountered racism at school, um, I I clipped a clipped a guy at school. Yeah. Um, I remember it. And, yeah. yeah, and. And did a fair job of it, and and got in some trouble. Um, and and this, you know, the, the parent, parent, the parent came up, and and my mum's a light skinned lady. She's an Aboriginal lady, but she's, um, again, the effects of colonisation. My mum's got whiter skin than she has black skin, right? Yeah. So, um, this black kid uh, had a fight with a white kid at school, and the white parent comes up from South Africa, mind you. He's a South African guy, so again, a history of colonization and racism in that country oh, yeah. um, so that's genetic genetic conditioning and then um, he sits down next to my mother in the school principal like in the in the outside the school principal's office and mum said what are you up here for knowing that that was my mum's a smart lady knowing that that was a father mm. of the kid that I just had the, the punch up with um, and he said I'm going to kill this little black bastard when I get him. This little black bastard just bashed my son. I'm going to kill him when I get him. And my mum said, well, that little black bastard's my son, just so you know, and you won't be doing a thing. Um, and my dad went, and, and, and this sticks with me, and, and, and I, I understand that, that a lot, and this is where my resilience comes into racism. Mm because I'm strong in my identity of who I am, so racism can't affect me. But I understand there are other people who aren't that strong, yeah. right? So it does affect them. I'm not saying this works for everyone, I'm saying this works for me. My dad come home and he said, what'd you get in, what'd you get in trouble for? I said, oh, I had a fight. He goes, yeah, no worries, I understand that. Um, you know, and, and my dad's more of a staunch guy that, that people would think that um, because he was handy with his fists that, that he'd be the first one to clean someone up when it comes to racism. Um, and he said to me, he goes, what did you get in trouble for? And I said, um, a fight. And uh, I did this to a kid and da-da-da-da-da. Uh, and he goes, well, what did he, he call you? I said, he called me a black sea. Mm. He goes, oh, that's interesting. And, and, you, and you fought him and, and you belted him because he called you a black sea. I said, yeah, of course I did. He goes, okay, well... Let me ask you this. What colour are you? I said, I'm black. He said, well, why are you bashing a kid for telling the truth? He said, you are black. He said, be disappointed if he calls you otherwise. And that really hit home to me because he's my dad. I was thinking that, that he would say, yes, stand up for yourself and stand up for your colour, which he was. Mm. But he said, oh, never beat someone with your fist, mate. Always beat them with intelligence. He said, because... The people in the system are waiting for us to mess up and bash people. And they'll always find an excuse for racism. Yeah. Well, we called you this and, and, and that was racist and that was wrong, but you're not allowed to bash him. Yeah, I get that. All right? But, but he always said, always beat them with intelligence. Don't beat them with your fist. At the end of the day, be disappointed if he calls you anything other than that. I get that the word tacked onto behind the word black yeah, is just onto yes, yes that that is the offensive part mm. if he calls you a black man well you are that but when people get called you know um, uh, a monkey or a chimp you mm. know and so forth that refers back to the days when and people get offended by that because that refers back to the days when we were pre-1967 yeah. when we were part of the, the flora and fauna so I understand that that can that can offend people and that can make people upset, extremely upset. Um, but for me, 
racism can never affect me personally because I know that I'm strong in my identity of who I am. Um, but in certain situations where it affects my kids and they're not resilient enough yet to to deal with that, and, and, and again, kids are, are innocent in all of this and they don't know how to react. And yeah. when emotions come up, then you know the fight or flight system comes in, and that's when they just get yeah. So that's very very different, and I understand that 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 everyone else is different because because um, you know all these all these things come from a place of trauma, you know, and 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 when trauma gets when trauma gets brought up, that's when uh, people react, and that's when you know that flight or fight system. Mm. That's when the you see the rage and you can't stop it. So that's a great message that you sent from your father, I guess. At the same time, it's... Smart man, my dude. It's uh, my dad. controlling dude. yourself, isn't it? It's the fact that your reaction... Yes, the, the child might have been being racist to you, but you can always control your, your action. And I teach. can't control what he says. Exactly. Right, I can can't control, control what he does, but, but you I can, can control, control yourself. Exactly People say right. to me, Joe, you're always so measured. You're always so measured when, when you're having an argument or when you're... When you're um, you know, when somebody is into you online, because I cop a fit... Um, an enormous amount of hate online. Mm. Um, you know, just just recently I, I released that BuzzFeed clip and a guy said, yeah, it's great that he wrote a book, but he only played 40-odd NRL games and he was a pretty pathetic boxer. So what What else is he... What else? What, what other good has he done or something like that? And I was like, mm. well, mate, it's probably 40 more NRL games than you played and I'm willing to fight you any day of the week. And then we can see how pathetic I am. But then I sit back and go, well... Hang on a minute. That's that doesn't just solve anything, does it? It doesn't solve anything. No. Like that's that's the trauma coming up in me. If you reacted that way, that's you're being exactly the exactly. same as him. Exactly. Exactly. But I can understand. Well. I can understand why people do that because it's feeding into a place of trauma, and as soon as that trauma triggers, that's when the behaviours happen. Now, this is where the prison system's wrong. Because we lock guys up and there's no rehabilitation in jails. Mm. You just get locked up. All right? People go to prison for behavior. Strip the behavior back, there's usually substance. Drug abuse. Yep. Strip the, the drug abuse back on the, the substance abuse. There's usually that, that, that substance abuse is usually a band-aid for something else that's going on. Find out that something else. That band-aid is usually for a trauma, for a pain, for an addiction for a mental illness. Mm. Heal that trauma, you'll heal behaviours. For me, that's where the prison system's wrong. You know, if you start to have a look at these traumas and say, well, he's, lo he's locked away for X, Y, Z, well, they're the behaviours that got him there, but find out what is the things that are happening to make those behaviours come up. Heal that, the world heals. Absolutely. All right, Joe, I want to end on just uh, another question that's just intriguing me because I love I love leadership and I love people that are out there displaying you know things bringing out stories vulnerability showing their, their side teaching people is there anyone that's been in your life that just really stands out as just a true leader and you've just taken a lot of their traits and taken that on board and that continues to push you forward in life yeah there is and Hell of a, lot of, a hell of a lot of emotion just come up, mate. If I'm honest, um, and 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 I've had many leaders and many teachers in my life. Mm. Um, there's three that stick out the most, um, and 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 three that I've written about in the book, and three that that get me every time I speak about it. Mm. Um, my dad, first and foremost. Um, you know, I was I was. Um, not, I wouldn't say critical, but I was at times I, I I wondered why my dad behaved certain ways. I wondered, um, and this isn't a negative way at all. I just wondered why these dads did this, but my dad didn't do that. Um, you know, for, for different different reasons or different um, moments in my life. You know, and and then I then it dawned on me, my dad lost his dad at nine. So who taught him how to be a dad? Mm. He didn't have one. So he had to learn it. Yeah. And and rightly or wrongly, you know, he had to learn this himself. So he don't know what hurts a kid. 
he don't know what hurts anyone else because that's all he knew. Yeah. So everyone's a product of what they learn, right? Um, and the older I've got, the more and more I'm starting to realise I am like my dad. Mm. Um, you know, there are there are different things in my life that that I can I can thank for dad, and there are different things in my life that that um, you know that I can work on. And and that's about me taking responsibility and ownership because I'm lucky enough to to be open to learning differently, rightly or wrongly, yeah. open to learning differently. The other two, um, Johnny Lewis. Yeah. Johnny Lewis. Amazing man. Amazing man, you know. Um, he taught me a resilience that I would not ever, ever, ever have unless I walked into that boxing gym at Woolloomooloo and then at Redfern PCYC. Um, wrote your foreword as well. Yeah, he wrote the foreword in the book as well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Johnny, um, Johnny, Johnny said to me, he wrote me a text the other day, and he said, Joe, I had no idea. I am so, because he read the book. He read the book. He said, Joe, I'm here in tears. I had no idea, mate. If, I'm sorry I let you down because I didn't pick up on these things. And I said, Johnny, you taught me resilience that no one ever has. So I can't thank you enough for that. And that's just the man that Johnny is. Yeah. Um, the other one, and, and this is where and, and, um, and why I get upset, it's... Um, Arthur Beetson. You know, he's um, everyone knows that he was a, a fantastic footballer and a great recruiting scout for the Roosters and, and for rugby league in general. You know, Coach Australia, Aboriginal man, Coach Australia, Coach Queensland. and But but people don't understand the impact that man had on my family. Um, he was like a second dad to you, wasn't he? He was, but but even deeper than that. He gave my dad an opportunity, an opportunity to break a cycle with football. And he believed in my dad when no one did. And and taking my dad from the bush when dad was around people that, that were drinking and carrying on, and dad was, he was the first one to admit it, he was doing it himself as well. But that taught my dad a resilience and a mental strength to, to play rugby league at, at a top level, which then gave him a resilience and a strength and a, a, um, you know, a, a, a responsibility and a, a determination and, you know, all the things that come with a, with a top-line athlete. He, like, he put those, those influences and aspects into my dad's life. Mm which then has a flow-on effect for my life because it teaches me about it teaches me about discipline it teaches me about working hard which then has an effect on my children because I can teach them about working hard I can teach them about being resilient you know so Arthur Beetson broke that cycle for my family mm. you know I was lucky enough to live with the bloke and people say what was he like to live with I can't remember as a footy, as a, talking about footy, because we never spoke about footy. We spoke about life, life and we spoke yeah. about his upbringing, we spoke about racism, we spoke about all this stuff. You know, if if I had my time again, then then it'd be different. I could go home and you know speak to him about footy and maybe learn a little bit more. But but that wasn't the the time. You know, I remember I had a, I had a disagreement with him one night, and I said something smart back and he sat up in the front of his chair and Jesus did the wall shake. I'm a bit out of my league here, you know, and I just, oh, man, every year, every year that that state of origin comes on and you see Arthur Beetson run out on the field with, in the Queensland jersey for the first for the first ever state of origin and, you know, it's got the, the white powder on his, yeah. on his, you know, everyone knows that image and then how he, and he took off his bloody teammate's head and yeah, you know that Mick is, that, that is state of origin that's state of origin um what that man what that man did for my family is um yeah it's and that 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 gave a again a invaluable lessons to my dad which then passed on invaluable lessons to me and my family and i can then push on to my kids and then Johnny Lewis taught me about love, you know, you know, not the lovey-dovey stuff and marriage and all that. He taught me about loving another man and caring for him. Mm. Um, every time you get off the phone to Joey, uh, 
to every time you get off the phone to Johnny, he says, Joey, I love you, son. Be good. And he always says, take care of your mother. Isn't that, you know, isn't that? Because, you know, his That's mother... pushing on some oh, great values, though. Mate. I think we all should tell our mothers that we love, love them. And... Uh, as Aboriginal people, the love we have for Mother Earth, mm. because we come from a mother. As a people as well, we come from Mother Earth. When we die, we go back to Mother Earth. Yeah. So we should be loving our mothers. We should be loving our daughters, our wives, our sisters, all that. Like the female race, we should be loving and caring and not standing over. And, and definitely not with domestic violence or anything no. like that. You know, the, and, and, I, and I'll finish on this. Um, every time you get in, every time I got in the ring, I spoke about it in the book. When Johnny tapes your hands, he puts a cross on one hand and a cross on the other. Mm. And I said, Johnny, why do you do that? I thought, well, it must hold my hands in, you know, and, 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 and make them strong or something like that. He said, Joey, although we want to win, we want you both to come out alive. Absolutely. That shows so much, Absolutely. not just for me, but, but for, for the, the other bloke. Yeah, that he doesn't even know. Don't even know. He wants me to go there and punch the bloke's teeth out, but he wants Mate, us both to come both out alive. okay, yeah. Every time I, I finish on the phone to Johnny Lewis, Joey, I love you, son. Every time in the ring before... He says, Joey, box smart, I love you. Bang. That's why he had so many champions. Because they would go to war for him. It's, maybe you read his book. It was, um, Johnny Lewis's and Johnny Elias. Mm. Two books that I read I've from read cover to cover. Yeah, yeah. Two, two books that I read from cover to cover. And two brilliant, brilliant men. Well, I appreciate you sharing those stories in me. Oh, man, uh, I didn't mean to cry. <laughs> no, that's, that shows vulnerability and it shows that your passion for the people in your life. So P- People lock up people lock up vulnerability and they lock up emotion. We were born with emotion. Why do we lock it up? You know, we, we were born with tears. But how, how good do you feel right now? Because you got the opportunity to speak about people in your life that you love. Mate, it's... Um, I, I'm almost six years past the day I should have been dead. Mm-hmm. For me, that gives me an appreciation for life. Every single day I get to open my eyes, I'm grateful for it. People say, oh, I'm grateful to be alive. I'll give you a tip, I am. Because I should be dead. Six years ago, I tried to do everything in the power of my two hands and not be in here anymore. Something bigger and greater may kept me And you're going to move on to even huge things. It's about helping some... other people. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, before we leave... Get this at any good bookstore. I'll have the link if you want to purchase it online. Every on my online. on my uh, on my website as well. Okay, yep. I'll have all those links for you guys in the show notes. I'll put it in the comments page on this live feed as well, guys. Like I said, hundred percent. This is the first book I've read in a week, and that let me tell you, in two thousand seventeen, I did not read a book from cover to cover. Don't be discouraged by the big head on the front of it either. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, my man. Thanks, Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Before we also let you leave, on his website is www.joewilliams.com. Instagram, Twitter, you'll find him at joewilliams underscore two. What is T W? The enemy within. Oh, I'm so silly. I Easy, have isn't no it? No idea. <laughs> uh, no, I thought this might have had something. I'm not an overly smart man, mate, so I'm going to make it simple. <laughs> and then Facebook, the enemy within. I definitely recommend you get on Joey's page. He has a lot the of Facebook is people. A lot of people get because there's a few different enemy within things from all over the world, right? You type in the enemy within, all things come up from all over the world. Mm. So it's the enemy within suicide prevention and well-being education. Okay, that's the full name of the page. So get on that. Perfect. Well, keep doing what you're doing, brother. And I wish you all the best. And I'm sure we'll have part three at some stage. Thanks, mate. All right, my man. It's been an honour. Take it easy. You too. And guys, that was Joey Williams. Just a big shout out to our major sponsor, Bulk Nutrients. Check out the range, www.bulknutrients.com.au forward slash TK. Let them know that TK sent you. Like I said, check out their green superfood powder and definitely check out their protein matrix. So go check them out, www.bulknutrients.com.au. Big shout out to Joey Williams. I'll have all the details for his book in the show notes. It's something I highly recommend. He's a great guy and I continue to support him, follow him on all his social medias and let him know that you listen to the episode because he's an absolutely outstanding human being and doing some great things in the community. All right, guys, next week we've got six times Mr. Olympia, Dorian Yates. So we're going to be hitting a bit of an international flavor, but don't worry, we're also going to be covering plenty of the NRL boys in the coming weeks. Kurt Gidley and Luke Rickardson, Keith Galloway, 
Big Keithy, and also Clint Newton. They'll all be sharing their stories. So please, if you haven't yet, subscribe to the show. It's all free via iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, or you can catch it all online, www.talkingwithtk.com. All right, guys, that is it for this week. Like I said, check out the back catalogue and definitely hit up bulk nutrients for your supplement needs. I'm Tristan Cannell, and this was Talking With TK.